Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Oh, open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you, I want to see you, to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory, Lord pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy.
they are, are fighting very hard to secure a cure for cancer. And the question is, if we are all going to die, why are we delaying the inevitable? And so unless there is something that tells us we love healthy bodies, unless there is something that tells us we are eternal beings, outside of Jesus Christ, outside of believers, the world has no purpose, it has no meaning. I don't know how many of you have played Monopoly. Monopoly is a game where you win stuff. You win Pennsylvania Avenue, you win... Um, Jefferson Avenue and all of those things, you win, uh, uh, you win properties. It is really the propaganda tool for capitalism. But you win stuff in a game of monopoly. And eventually, you have a lot of money depending on how many stuff you have won on that game. The problem is, at the end of the game, everything, the money is fake, the avenues are fake. Everything goes back into the box. And this life, without the perspective of heaven, is like a game of monopoly. Yeah? Without the perspective of heaven, life on earth is like a game of monopoly. We are competing who has the biggest house, who has the biggest car, who has the shiniest stuff, and all of those things. But at the end of the game, everything goes back into a box, and you yourself go back into a box, and we start the game again tomorrow with a new set of players. My grandfather was there. He worked for Mzungu. He got stuff. He took his children to school. He got a house. He got land. He got everything that their generation were competing for. But 10 years ago, all of that, including him, went into a box. And my dad picked up again. And my dad now is running the same thing. He got a job, took his children to school, got a house, got a car, took some of his children, Moremo, and here we are. And soon and very soon, all of that will go back into a box. And myself and Abby begin the thing again. And I'm, I am working very hard to let Abby join the address. So she can do it for her children. And all these things go back into a box. Without the perspective of heaven, everything is vanity of vanities. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, the preacher Solomon says, I tried pleasure and I found it was vanity. I tried fame and I found it was meaningless. There's nothing new. We think we are new. We think what we are coming up with is new. And yet my grandfather did it. My dad is doing it. I will be doing it. Abby will do it. Nothing is new under the sun. And he says, the rich man and the poor man, they all die. The wise and the cow, they both die. And he says, there is all is vanity of vanities under the sun. 
And he says, don't be too righteous. Don't be too wise. Why should you die young? Enjoy your life. You're going to die like every beast. And that's the thing. Life on earth will be meaningless. And this is why atheists and agnostics get confused. When we look things from under the sun, the perspective of above the sun comes from believers. Praise the Lord. And so we are the salt of the earth. We are the ones that bring meaning and bring perspective. And so when you read the book of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, he says, enjoy your youth. Because you're going to die anyway. Because your eyes are going to dim. Your knees are going to buckle. Your spine is going to cough. And your ears will not hear songs. And all of those things. Have you read that part? Mr. Let me, let me show you that. Ecclesiastes is a very interesting book. But it can be very depressing. Because the perspective is under the earth. It's under the sun. And when you read it, Please be aware, all of this is under the sun. the sun. We are the ones who bring heaven on earth. We give things perspective. <laughs> um, you, you, you look through it, it says about uh, vanity of gain and all of those things. I believe it's, seven, it's 12. Remember now your creator. Twelve verse one. Remember now your created the days of your youth before the difficult days come. And the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened, those are your eyes. And the clouds do not return after. The rain. That's something to do with your eyes. When you don't see the sun, the moon, and the stars, and even after you cry, the clouds will not come back. Your eyes are still dry. In the day when the keepers of the house, those are your knees and your legs, they tremble. And the strong men bow down. When the grinders, those are your teeth, they cease because they are few. And those that look through the windows grow dim. When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, that is our fruitfulness when we do not go out to be fruitful. When one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of the music are brought low. Also they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way. As you worried about every single stone on the way because you know if you fall, there is really no getting back up. When the almond trees blossom, that's your hair. And the grasshopper is a burden and desire for favors. For man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the street. Remember you are created before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken and the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well. Then dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit of God will return to him who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. You know what what depresses me is when I see Miss America of 1950. Huh? 
That is she. When you, I don't know, you go look at <coughs> Miss America 1960. That was what people could not sleep. Because that was the most beautiful person in all of America. And look at her today. Huh? She's still there. Yeah? <laughs> and so beauty is fleeting. All of these things lose their meaning without you. And so you're the one who brings actually meaning and purpose and perspective to the earth. The second thing is, you are the light of the world. There is darkness. You are the one who brings light and hope. And Jesus, those things, I really can't talk about all of them today, but when you look at uh, Matthew 5 and 6, we will jump through. So you can go back home and look at the value system that Jesus provides for us that we may bring to the world. Matthew 5, he talks about the fulfillment of the law, that we have been called to fulfill the law from 17 all the way. Then he talks about murder. Do not kill your brother. Do not hate someone without cause. Then he talks about adultery. Adultery is not really when you sleep with someone. Adultery begins actually in the heart. Then he talks about marriage. How we are to see marriage, verse 31. And how we are to walk in marriage and no divorce. Alright? Amen. Amen. The world accepts divorce. And that's okay. But we have a new value system. We are to bring the kingdom of God on earth. We are to bring heaven on earth. We are bringing a new value system. Then he talks about uh, oath. How we take the oath. Go in the second mile, verse 38. When I ask you for one thing, do not hold back. Give even the other one. When I take your coat, give me even your shirt. Then he talks about loving your enemies. And this is how Jesus puts it. So you can see he is bringing a new value system. Verse 43, you have had it said. Meaning, this is your value system up to now. This is how you measure how your reaction and your action. This is how what inspires you. You have had it said. But now, verse 44, I say to you. And really, that's all this um, core value is about. You have had it said. Once you clock out, you go home, you don't touch anything. But I, I say unto you, you have a supervisor who is in heaven. You don't work for men, you work for God. You are bringing a value system that is contrary to what the world sees. You have heard it say that you shall love your friends and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. I am bringing to you a new value system. When we meet our enemies, we are to exhibit heaven on earth. Do good to those who hate you and pray for them. Pray for them and do not curse them. From chapter 6, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. Men do things to be known and to be seen. That's why we have the foundation of Isitia. We have the foundation of Martin. We have the foundation of so and so and as children because we want to be remembered by men. But he's saying when you do good, another value system, do not do it to be seen by men. You don't need to write your name. They don't even need to know who you are. Just do it to please God. 
Then he talks about prayer. He talks about prayer. Do not be like hypocrites. Verse 5 and verse 6, for they love praying, standing in the synagogues and the corners of the streets, and they may be seen by men. I say to you, when you pray, go into your room and shut your door and pray to your Father who is in heaven. This is a new value system. The world loves to be seen as very pious and very righteous, very holy and very prayerful. But for you, let your prayer life be actually in secret. Seek God. Seek God where men are not. Let your secret life be more powerful than your public life. And then he tells them about the prayer. Our Father what in heaven and all those things. And then 14, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your <coughs> heavenly Father will also forgive you. Then he talks about fasting. When you fast, do not be like hypocrites. Another value system. Fast because your Father in heaven sees you. You don't need to shout at us. You don't need to tell us. You don't need to announce. A brother who read this verse, and my dad had called a, a, a fast at their church, and he brought this verse to him. I told him, Pastor, you just announced a fast. So everybody knows we are fasting. And the Bible says nobody should know when I'm fasting. I think you are telling the church to be hypocrites. Okay. These things are not supposed to be laws. They are their value systems. They review our nature. Amen. And so if I pray aloud, it doesn't mean I become a hypocrite. But it means that my motive should not be to be seen. It really has something to do with the motive. Mm. Amen? Mm. And so I can pray quiet and I still have the wrong motive. And so it's dealing with the value system, our motives. How are they guided? And then he says about money. Lay up, do not lay up treasures, 19. On earth, where more than rust destroyed, where this breaking. How do we deal with money? Our value system, remember it's kingdom, kingdoms of this world. And we just dealt with the social system. How I deal with you people, how I deal with uh, my friends and my enemies, how I deal with people who oppress me, how I deal with the government, how I deal with my marriage, how I deal with all of those things. And then it comes to money. No, now how I deal with my prayer life, and then it comes to how I deal with money. The religious system, religious system, that's about prayer and fasting. And then he talks about money. Do not lay up treasures in, uh, on earth where both can come, but lay up treasures. Let your money invest in heaven. Invest because where your uh, treasure is, there your heart is. If you want to know where your heart is, look at your checkbook. You will know where your heart is, is where your treasure is. Then he talks about the eye. You can also have God and riches. And then he says about worrying. Our interaction with money matters to God. It matters to God. 25. Do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, or what you put on. And I will tell you this. Our pursuit of American dream is really about this. Our pursuit of the American dream is about what you eat, what you wear, what you will drink, about your body, and where you shall sleep. And Jesus said, don't worry about that. That's what the world does. I'm giving you a new value system. 
Look at the birds. He tells them, look at the birds, look at the lilies. Do not worry about clothing. Do not worry about what you shall eat. Verse 32. The difference now between the value system uh, of heaven and the value system of this world. It says, for these things, for these things, for these, after these things, the Gentiles seek, or the pagans, or the unbelievers, they pursue these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And so our pursuit should really not be survival. There must be another purpose to why you're going to that job. There must be another purpose why God has called you to that place. And it is to review this value system. That when you're oppressed, when you're persecuted, remember that's the time for you now to review how heaven deals with oppression. When people say evil things, the last, the last, uh, the last part of the blessedness, it is your time to review a value system to the world, a value system of heaven. And then, talks about judging. Do not judge. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and it shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. The narrow way. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction and narrow is the gate that goes to life. Always choose the narrow way. Don't choose comfort. Always choose the path of Christ of carrying the cross, of denying self and uh, of following him. Beware of false prophets. Then verse 21, verse chapter 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And so he's saying, do not judge by what you see. Do not judge by what people do. Let the heart be the main uh, pursuit. And so, do not confuse ministry with our fellowship with you. Just because you're ministering, does not mean you and I are okay. Just because people are listening and people are being blessed does not mean that we are together. Amen? Just because you pray for someone they got healed does not mean that your heart is in the right place. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And verse 24, verse 24, I would ask you to underline that if you can. Uh, because it is really the fullness of this whole story. Anyone who hears these things of mine, from Acts chapter 5 to chapter 7, and does them, he will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Your stability, your prosperity, your being established, depends on whether these words mean anything to you. Whether they are just a good opinion, or they actually matter to you. Whether you take them seriously. In only three, three chapters. Those three chapters will transform your life. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and the beat on the high house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Once we take these words as life and death, once these words, these three chapters, mean life and death to us, then you shall be like a builder who builds his house on a rock. But everyone who hears these things and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
verse 28. And so it was when Jesus ascended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority. What is this authority? Because he came and told them what the truth was. He was telling them, you know this, I am telling you this. And so how then do we review all of this? Where do we begin? By about becoming heaven on earth. How do we become heaven on earth in our homes? How do we become heaven on earth in our interactions with men? How do we become heaven on earth at workplaces? How do we bring heaven on earth in church? It begins with what Jesus began with. Chapter 5, the blessedness. The real blessedness. And so, for us to change the value system in the world, we need for us to be changing our own value systems. What do we consider of value? What is blessedness? What do we call people? When I say he is blessed, what comes to mind? That needs to be revolutionized. That needs to be transformed. Before we jump to all these verses about forgiving our enemies and not worrying about uh, food and all of those things, the first step is to check ourselves and whether our own value system has actually been transformed. Then, true blessedness. And I know you know those, and you will read them after this, but I want you to go to Psalms 32. Psalms 32, Psalms 33, and Jeremiah. Uh, but let's begin with Psalms uh, 32. Blessedness. 32 verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And so we must redefine our own value system. We must redefine what we call blessed. Blessed is a man whose sins are forgiven and whose, uh, whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered and whom, on whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. That is a blessed man. And I wonder whether this truth has sunk into your heart. Whether you have thought about the blessedness of being forgiven. The blessedness of your sins being covered. The blessedness that the Lord does not impute iniquity on you. He cannot ask of you anything. Heaven cannot condemn you. Blessed is a man whose sins are forgiven. Verse uh, chapter 33. Chapter 33, verse 12. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. And uh, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. And so, 
The real blessedness begins with a true understanding of grace. It begins with the understanding of our forgiveness and the understanding of God and understanding of his grace to choose us. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so I don't want you to go and try to love people today. I want you to try to go and try and forgive people today. I want you to go and stop worrying about money today. Today your homework is to ask God to reveal the true blessedness of being chosen by him. The blessedness of grace. In fact, grace, another word for grace, is a blessedness. And blessed is the man. That also means happy is the man. Rich is the man. And so, our changing the world by revealing heaven begins with our own value system being changed. That I do not have money in my pocket, but I am blessed. I don't have everything that I need. All my friends have turned against me, but I'm blessed because the Lord is my God and he has chosen me as his inheritance. Not only that, my sins have been covered and my transgressions have been forgiven and the Lord has not imputed iniquity on me. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So this blessedness is measured in numbers. Number of friends, number of people, number of family, number of money, and all of those things. As if the way we are today is less blessed than if we had two million people in the house. What is true blessedness? Will you be more blessed when you are a millionaire than you are now? Will you be more blessed when you have that house and it's fully paid than you are now? The reason we struggle with revealing heaven, the value system of heaven on earth, is because it has not come out from us. It needs, first of all, to be transformed in us, that that may begin to transform the world around us. But the value system, the value system that we want to see in the world, needs to begin with a transformation of a value system in us. If I am still worried, that I'm not blessed enough because I did not pay my bills. Then, take my life.
gonna be holy You can have your cars Give me holiness I cannot really know how to bring that value system of heaven to men Jesus Jesus, he says, I don't have a place to lay my head. I don't have, he is a minister, he is making miracles and multiplying bread. Why did he sell some of that bread and get an apartment? Why were people following someone who did not have a house? Why were people following someone who did not have a job? Why are we still following him? And he died at 33. Why are we uh, uh, upholding apostles who left their jobs? They were without career. They walked naked and in prison and all of that. And then they were killed by their governments in shame. Why are we still looking to them to teach us? Because they settled in their hearts what the true blessedness was. Praise the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Your next promotion is not going to make you blessed. Your next, next plot, your next house is not going to make you blessed. You need to settle in your heart what it means to be truly blessed. Getting a husband, getting a child, getting many children, even having peace in your family does not make you blessed. Being healed in your body does not make you blessed. Blessed is the nation whose the Lord is their God. There are people in hospitals today. You know that prayer we pray and say, Oh God, we know there are people who wanted to see this day, but now they are now in hospitals. We thank you. There are people in hospitals today who are more blessed. There are many, 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 many people who are healthy. Mm -hmm. Being healthy is not being blessed. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I want you to get sick. I'll pray for you to get healed. But that is not the measure of blessedness. Mm -hmm. Blessed is a nation whose Lord is their God. Amen. If I was in the hospital bed today and I knew that the Lord is my God, I am blessed. Amen. If I was in debt today, and I knew that the Lord has chosen me as his inheritance. I am completely blessed. And it is from that position I'm actually able to review heaven on earth. Amen. 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 Jeremiah 9, verse 24. Let him who glories Glory in this. Let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in this I delight, says the Lord. If you're going to boast, don't tell us how many acres of land you just got. If you're going to boast, don't tell us how many people you healed. 
If you're going to boast, don't tell us how many people you're preaching to. If you're going to boast, boast in this, that you know the Lord. Amen. If there is anything that should bring joy to your heart, that I know him who knows me. That I know him who knows me. That's enough. That whatever else the world measures success with, this is my measure of success. That I know him who knows me. That blessed is the people whose the Lord is their God. And so you do not want to go through Matthew 5, 6, and 7 until you have figured out the truth of the first 11, I believe. Is it 11 verses? The first 11 verses, 12 verses. And so Jesus begins by this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for this is a kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you. Amen. Mm -hmm. Now, I wonder whether you have been blessed. The verse 11. I pray that you receive this blessedness one of these days. Eh? Verse 11, blessedness. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Who was that kind of blessedness? No, not today. I'll try again Sunday. Eh? You want this blessedness? So people can begin persecuting you and saying all kinds of false things against you. And you say, oh, I feel so blessed today. I feel blessed. What they said about me, it is not true. I am glad because of that, for it's for the sake of Christ. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so how do we count blessedness? Is it when everybody is singing our praises? Is it when everybody agrees with us? Blessed, blessedness begins with understanding that God has chosen you and that God has forgiven you. And that you know him and that you understand him and that he knows you and that he understands your ways. And so heaven on earth, being the salt and being the light, first of all, let's make it clear in our hearts that we know our value system. Baba just said that whether we are praised or we are despised, whether, whether the burden is whether people recognize you, the burden is that people will not recognize you. And so can we carry this burden without complaining or feeling like God owes us something? Are we able to be praised one day? People lay their clothes on the way as we go and, uh, and singing our praises and then being 
uh, persecuted and spat upon and beaten and crucified the next day? Are we able to handle that without being so high or being so low? Are we able to receive all things as coming from God? Whether they are praising you or despising you, do those things mean nothing one way or the other to you? Because the only way we are able to love our enemies is when we settle in our hearts. When we settle in our hearts that we are loved by God. And that's enough. Remember when Jesus says, forgive as you are forgiven? And so if I struggle to forgive, the problem is not my forgiving capabilities. The problem is actually that I do not know how forgiven I have, I have been. If I find a problem with my loving, the problem is not how should I love more? I should scale down. I should slow down and ask the Lord to reveal his love towards me. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. Period. And until we understand how much he has loved us, we will not even know how to love. Until the real forgiveness, the truth of forgiveness is settled in our hearts, we will always struggle to forgive. Until we know we are blessed and rich in our hearts, we will always think that the next dollar will make me richer. And so Paul talks about this in Ephesians. I hope you have been writing this. Or you've been uh, notating it in your, in your iPad or your iPhone. Or your Android. I don't want to be biased. Verse 18 of Ephesians 1. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Ephesians 1.18. That your eyes, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling. That he has called you to hope. He who has called you, there is hope in it. There is hope in your call. Whether people rejoice at you or they stone you. Whether people are saying amen to what you are saying or they are wanting to crucify you. That you may know the hope that is in his calling. He who called you to be a mother, to be a wife, to be a daughter, to be a father, to be a son, to be a brother. He who has called you to this world, there is hope in his calling. Not only that, that you may also know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Because you will still pursue the American dream if you don't know you are rich towards God. If you don't know you are rich in your heart, you will always think that the next million will make you rich. That you may know what are the riches of the glorious inheritance that we have together with the saints. And these are no riches like we have in the world. Remember, we are bringing to this world a new value system where they do not need to worry about what we shall eat or wear. Because God is already clothing the creation. He can clothe men. There must be another purpose to why we wake up in the morning. And that purpose first must be settled in our hearts. Who are we? What do we have? If I go to work to look for a blessing, then I cannot have influence over them. If I am looking to be forgiven by people, if I am looking to be for forgiven by people, then I cannot 
have influence over them. If I'm looking to be loved by people, if I'm still looking for love, I cannot love people. First, I need to settle in my heart that I'm loved so that I can love without expecting anything in return. If they love me well and good, if they don't, I am okay. And so our hearts need for us the revelation of the glorious riches of our inheritance with the saints. And then he talks about the power that we have through Christ and those who believe. Amen. So today, the first thing to deal with is ourselves. Do I know who I am and what I have? What is my value system? What do I measure blessedness with? And I want to ask you to go and study those three chapters this week. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Because in that is the revelation of what the, the salt does and what the light does. And only those two things only those two things, and those three chapters, does Jesus say, those who keep these words, those who hear them and keep them, they shall be like the wise men. Do you want to be wise? Do you want to build upon a rock? Go read those things and do them. Let your heart see that this is Christ speaking to you and that your value system is being changed. But do not try to do them before you understand the true blessedness. Until your heart settles in, in it, what is being blessed? What is happiness? What is true joy? What should I boast in? What should make my heart boast? What should I glory myself in? Is it how much I have known the word? Is it how much I'm able to minister? Or is it truly that I know him and that he knows me? So today as we celebrate in the Holy Communion, the Bible says that when they walked with the two disciples, once they ate of the bread, their eyes were opened. And I want to believe that today is a day of eyes being opened. Your eyes and my eyes will be opened to what, to what really matters, to the true worth, the true value. And once our value system is changed, we will not even think about changing value systems outside.
Bow before your cross